Go help someone. Go and get out of your own head for a moment and be reminded that the world is this beautiful place. Because I promise you it is. It's not as bad as we think it is. Even though there are bad things that happen, we don't have to be tied into the identity that we have that says the world out there is so unfair and dangerous and unkind. It feels that way because you're trapped by yourself right now and that's how you're talking to yourself. You're, you're looping that narrative. But when you go out in the world and you're of service, and you help make other people's days brighter, I promise you, it'll make your day better. And people get stuck in it because they're like, but I'm at rock bottom, who wants me to help them? Everybody, everybody needs you today. And you're being selfish by not going and being of service because you're in this low place. Because I'm telling you, people are always waiting. They're looking for the perfect moment. The first and best victory is to conquer self. Welcome to the Conqueror Approach, a journey of self-mastery. To cultivate our mind, body, spirit, financial literacy, and allow our light to shine upon the world. Brought to you by me, your host, U.S. Navy submarine veteran and entrepreneur, Musa Mikkel. Let's conquer. Welcome back to the Conqueror Approach. I appreciate you for tuning in. Today, I have Michael Unbroken. He is an entrepreneur, a coach, podcast host, award-winning speaker, best-selling author, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma. Michael was born to a hyper-abusive drug addict mother and a stepfather you pray you never have and a racist grandmother who pushed him into an identity crisis. By the time he was nine, his family was in poverty and often homeless all while being a member of the Mormon church. At 12, he was adopted by his grandmother and quickly turned to drugs and alcohol to survive the continuing abuse. Despite multiple learning disabilities and not graduating high school on time, Michael found success in corporate America in his early 20s. However, success only made things worse. Michael found himself morbidly obese, high and drunk daily, and ultimately self-sabotaging everything around him. It was not until finding his inner power and choosing to do whatever it took to work through childhood trauma where his life really began. Michael Anthony is the author of the best selling book, Think Unbroken. Michael also hosts the Think Unbroken podcast and teaches at Think Unbroken Academy, and his mission is to create change in the world. Thank you, Michael, for joining me today. It is my pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. I cannot wait to have this conversation with you. Yeah, man, my privilege, man. You have went through a pretty rough, rough past, and to see that you turned all that all that trauma, all that those challenges, all that abuse into something so powerful and effective and helping people now is just such an inspiration to me and to everyone who follows and listens to you, I'm sure. Uh, and, and that's kind of what I want to talk about, man, because trauma and childhood trauma is something that plagues almost every human being, you know, in different ways, different severities. However, trauma is there for everyone and, and it could be disguised in different ways. And I think oftentimes we don't notice the negative effects of that childhood trauma. And we think, oh, it's just the past. And we don't notice the patterns that that prevent us from having a fulfilling life. So I, I kind of want to go into that. But but before that, tell us a little bit about your, your journey, man. You had a rough childhood with uh, a drug addict mother, and, and it wasn't ideal. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how that developed you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think that unfortunately my, my story is not that unique. Um, 
I, my mother was a drug addict and alcoholic. She cut off my finger when I was four years old. You know, people always go, how could your mom do that? And I'm like, you have to understand this is a continuation of trauma. Her parents abused her, them before them, and so on and so forth. My stepfather, super abusive. Like he would put me and my brothers in the hospital. He was so abusive, you know, but look at his mother and his and her mother and so on and so forth. And this is generational trauma, this continuation. You know, I spent a lot of my childhood homeless and deeply in poverty. Um, I lived with 30, three zero different families by the time that I was like 10 years old. And when my grandmother adopted me when I was 12, you'd be like, oh, that's amazing. Like things get better, but they didn't because my grandma was an old racist white lady from a town in Tennessee you never heard of. And uh, I'm biracial, black and white. So I ended up having this identity crisis. And I soothed that by stepping into drugs. I got high for the first time when I was 12 years old. I got drunk for the first time when I was 13. And by the time I was 15, I got expelled from school for selling drugs. And I was sitting here trying to like figure out the solution for life. I was selling drugs. I was breaking into cars and stealing them. I was breaking into houses. I was running from the cops. I was getting shot at. Like it was really intense and crazy because I was just trying to, to, connect in the way that I thought life was supposed to be. And luckily I got put into a last chance program, but I still didn't graduate on time. So I find myself trying to find the solution for all this. And I said, I'm going to go make money because money just felt like the thing. It had to be right. It had to be. And so I said, by the time that I'm 21, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year legally. And the legal part was super important because today my three childhood best friends, they've been murdered. And I saw my future. I knew it was going to happen if I, I didn't clean up my act and try to do things differently. And so I chased money and I, I got successful very young. And by the time I was 21, I was working for a Fortune 10 company. No high school diploma, no college education. And that thing that happens to people when they get money happened to me. And my life became a complete disaster, like period. Like there's no other way to put it. And and I was 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep. And that's when I put a gun in my mouth. I was just done. I was like, money was supposed to fix this. And it didn't. And I had this moment where I went into the bathroom and I looked at myself in the mirror. And I remember being eight years old. And the water company, they had come and turned our water off. Like we were that poor. Like I grew up in America, in Indianapolis, in a major city. And we were so poor, they turned our water off. But they turned our heat off in the winter. We got evicted like 15 times. It was just kind of normal. But on this one particular day, I take this little blue bucket from the backyard. And I walk across the street to our neighbor's house. And I turn on their spigot, the side of their house. And for the first time in my life, I still water. And I was just like, man, when I'm a grown up, this isn't going to be my life. And to an extent, it wasn't because sure, I never had to worry about money, but but it was because I was still that hurt, lost little boy. And, and when I was looking in the mirror and having this moment, I thought to myself, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And the only thing I could think was like, stop making excuses. And it was no excuses, just results. And fast forward almost 12 years later, man, here I am talking to you today. And that was a tremendous amount of work, like 
personal development, therapy, EMD, CBT, NLP, ABC, all the acronyms, right? It was reading all the books, going to all the conferences, having a coach, having a mentor, learning to love myself, learning to have empathy for the world, learning forgiveness. Like ultimately, like I had to create who I am. And what's so fascinating about it, even this deep into it, I'm still learning every single day. I'm still discovering who I am, but I I share that information with the world. And I've been super fortunate to write a best-selling book, to be a public speaker and speak on gigantic stages, to have a a award-winning life. And it's one of those things where like ultimately at the end of the day, it just, it came down to making choices and decisions. Man, that, that's super powerful because I I think that is a common uh, childhood for a lot of people, especially in poor communities. And a lot of times we don't even look past that. Like someone begins, begins to be a criminal and, and no one really asks what happened to that child. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it reminds me of an amazing book by Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry called What Happened to You. And it's really shifting Mm -hmm. the the conversation instead of saying, like, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing that? Why are you why you behaving in that way? It's a deeper question. What happened to you? What is leading to those traumas? And in your story, you were doing things, even if it was just addictions and alcohol, drugs or you're morbidly obese. you, You tried to to get get your value or satisfaction from things outside of you, you know, out, out there, money and food or drink and, and drugs and, and those type of things. And, and ultimately that's a distraction. And, and for a lot of people, those things are a distraction. We see alcoholism, drug uh, overdoses, obesity, they're at all time highs, depression, suicide, they're at all time highs. And they, people don't realize they have to go back to see how that childhood trauma is affecting me now and not just ignore it, man. Because, because I, I think that's, that is my, one of my questions is how can someone start becoming aware of what childhood trauma is and how it is affecting them currently? Because was there a certain point when you were making good money and you're just drinking and doing those things, did you think about your childhood and and that leading a role and that, that had to be something that you had to address? You know, there, there's different aspects to it, right? And it's going to be different for everyone. And for me, because I grew up so dissociated, meaning my brain and my body were so removed from each other. Like often, I didn't even know how I got into a situation. Like often I'd be like, how did I do this? Like, where am I right now? What's happening? What's going on? <clears throat> Couldn't make cognizant thought or meaning of situations I was in. And I basically was a robot. Like I, I don't really have a better way to phrase it. And so when I when I I always knew to some extent, because one of the best things that happened to me as a kid was actually living with all those different families for incremental periods of time, because I got to see how different families interacted and and connected with each other. And one of the things that I discovered in that was like, oh my gosh, my, my home is nothing like this. The most dangerous place for me to be as a child was in my own home. And so I learned how to turn myself off. It became this subconscious defensive mechanism as a a source of survival, because if I were me, that meant 
problems. That meant pain. That meant suffering. That meant hurt. And so I learned how to stop doing that. And what happened was when I'm in my 20s, I'm making all this money. I'm having all the success in my career. I wasn't taking care of any of the other aspects of my life because to me, it wasn't really necessary to take care of my physical body. It wasn't necessary to take care of my mental. It wasn't necessary to take care of the people around me because I was only in survival mode. And the thing that brought me safety or the feeling, the illusion thereof was money. And so I was like, as long as I have money, I'm good. That's where I started to connect the dots because what happened was I was looking at my life and I was like, yo, I'm making $150,000 a year. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. That makes no sense to me. I started looking at my behavior habits, right? Why do I have a $2,000 a month bar tab? Why do I spend $10,000 in the mall on a Friday? There's no reason. There's, there's really no logical reason to do those things. And I was like, wait a second, maybe I'm trying to fill these gaps. Now, in that moment in real time, I didn't fully understand it. It would take me a couple more years to get into it because, again, I was so dissociated. To me, those behaviors, these self-destructive behaviors, these sabotaging behaviors, they were always indicative of all the experiences that I had. And because of that, what I started to take notice of was maybe there's a connection here. And one day I really connected the dots, man. And this this blew my mind forever. So I, I wrestled in middle school and high school. It was a great outlet for me when I actually went to school. And, and so I had won a couple of tournaments in a row and I was starting to get ranked in the state. And there was a tournament that we have had called the city tournament in Indianapolis. And so all the public schools in the city come and all the kids wrestle for the city championship. Well, I won the city championship. I got first place. It was this amazing accomplishment. And that same moment, like I'm on stage, I'm on the pillar, I'm getting the the trophy and the ribbon and the, the placard. My mom is having a seizure in the bleachers because she's overdosing. And this was always a part of my experience growing up. Every time I accomplished something, like my mom would come in, my stepfather would come in, my grandmother would come in, they'd steal that moment from me, like just again and again and again. And so what I started to learn and discover were those self-sabotaging behaviors that I had, they were tied into those experiences in childhood because every time things started to get good, something had to come and take it away because that's where I felt safe. It's really interesting that the very things that we do in our life that keep us safe also imprison us. And so the more success I had in life, the more I started tearing everything down around me because I needed the parameter of safety in the chaos because what's on the other side of the chaos peace, happiness, harmony, love, joy, empathy, compassion. Dude, that was fucking terrifying to me. Why? Because I never had those experiences growing up. So the deeper that I got into this work, the deeper that I got into understanding who I was and could tie into make meaning of my behaviors based on those experiences, the more I got into understanding who I was and the impact of that. And so you're probably thinking like, well, how does that really answer the question? It's this. We as human beings are the sub 
sum total of all of our experiences leading up till this moment. So that means that every single thing that's ever happened in our lives has a meaning in who it is that we are today. And because of that, when you can look back and trace and retrace those experiences up until now, you can figure out how to get to where you want to go. Because without knowing those experiences, being able to bring meaning to them and at to some point really reconcile them in terms of who it is that you are as a person, you can't step into what's next, right? It's like walking into a room with no lights on, you can kind of like feel your way around, but you're going to keep bumping into shit until you figure out how to turn on the light switch. And I think in this process of healing, retracing the past is turning on the light switch because it gives you what you need to have in order to continue to move forward. I hope that makes sense. I know that was very heady, but but I hope that helps. No, absolutely, man. And that's just, it's, it's super powerful because that awareness, I like to say the awareness opens the door for transformation because until you were recognizing those habits, those thoughts and those actions that were leading to your slow destruction, you weren't going to do anything to change it. And then that kind of led, you were making a lot of money for you. What was that, that tipping point where you were noticing you're, you're just always drinking and eating and all those things and you're successful. What was the tipping point? Like how did you navigate that, decision in your mind that you were going to start making a change. Yeah. Well, look, here's the thing, you know, people are always like, well, what was the moment? I don't, I don't think as human beings, we ever have like a moment. I think there were a series of events over the course of 26 years that led me to that place. Right. There was all these times I'd let myself down dude context, right. Didn't graduate high school. Like, like I went to a high school that it's impossible not to graduate from didn't graduate high school. It's impossible to not be successful in life if you put in effort, was not doing anything to make my life better. It's almost impossible to become obese if you eat the right food and take care of yourself and go to the gym. I wouldn't do any of that stuff, right? And so the reality is I just kept stacking on all of these letdowns and failures, and I was blaming the world. It was your fault. It was my mother's fault. It was Obama's fault. Like, it's everybody's fault, right? And until I came to this realization that the truth is, and this is the hardest thing I've ever discovered, that the the position I was in in my life was my fault, that became a catalyst. Because what happens is I, I made a choice and a decision to stop putting up with my own bullshit. You can lie to yourself all day long, but it keeps you awake at night. When you look in the mirror, you feel it. It like that feeling pops up in your chest just at this random moment where you're like, oh, I need to go do that thing. And I was always ignoring myself. I was always hiding from the truth of who I was. And, and that was a really interesting thing to, to reconcile. And so I'm in this position now where I've had this memory of looking back, of being a child, of standing in front of that mirror and asking myself, like, what are you willing to do? And, and I really meant it. It was no excuses. I was so tired of just the, the bullshit. And I think that, unfortunately, I don't know how you create massive change in your life without having that kind of moment. Because it's really kind of, it's transformative because from there, you're at rock bottom. There's nowhere, the only place worse that you could go is death. And so in that, I acknowledged it and I looked at it, I said, it can't get any worse than this. So it might as well get better. 
And that didn't mean it was going to be easy. And it certainly wasn't overnight. I mean, good Lord, man, I spent every penny I had and tens of thousands of dollars and an unbelievable amount of time and effort and energy to get to the place where I could have conversations like this, right? And in the first six years of this journey for me, they were so difficult. I mean, dude, I was going to therapies three times a week. I was reading. 50 books a year. I was journaling every day and meditating and going to yoga and going through this whole practice of trying to figure out who I was. And every day was still difficult, right? And what's really fascinating is now looking at my life and where I'm at right now today, it's like, it's a little bit easier, but it's still difficult because we're always learning. We're always growing. We're always healing. And this is a journey that is a lifetime journey. And so people always are like, what's the one thing I can do today to change my life? I don't think you can ever do one thing. I think you have to do all the things a lot of the time. And in that you start to really create and shape who you are. So when you're in this moment and you're like, man, I feel like I'm at fucking rock bottom and I don't know what to do. Do the opposite of what you've been doing up until now and just see what happens when you face the fear of the possibility that on the other side of your choices and decisions that your life can be different. Yeah. I think that's a huge piece there too, is to, to believe that it could be different, to have enough hope to say, if, if I'm, if I do this the opposite way than I've been doing it, there's hope there that it can be better, that I can lose weight, that I can be healthier, that I don't have to live this way. And then knowing, I, I think the big thing is, is not identifying. You mentioned earlier, you were having identity crises and that I think is so huge because we identify with the hurt. We identify with the pain and suffering, and this is it. This is who I am. This is how I know it to be. This is familiar, and it's not, right? Because it, it you could if you could if you identified yourself as that and or continued to, we wouldn't have been having this conversation. <laughs> like you wouldn't have written the book. You wouldn't have done any of that stuff because that you started to identify who you really are, and you started to let that shine over your darkness. I, I think that's just super powerful because that is a testimony. Like your work is a testimony to identifying that who you really are. And yeah. And, you know, and, yeah. and one thing I'd, I'd love to say, if you don't mind, is that the, we, we get so stuck into our beliefs and our identity that, that they, they are ultimately the thing that shape us and you have the ability to change that. And that's what people have to understand. Yeah, that's so powerful because whatever you believe and to identify yourself with, that's ultimately who you become. And questioning that, like taking a deep look, reflecting, being like, is this really who I am or is this just who I've been? And, you know, who you've been just brought you to where you are now, but who you are now is a seed for who you are becoming. I don't remember who said that, but I, I really liked it. And you just reminded me of it because it could change. Like it's never too late to make those decisions and start doing whatever it takes. But I think, unfortunately, we have to go through so much pain and and people don't just make decisions like I'm just going to do everything better today. It's usually when they hit an extreme painful experience or they just had enough or they're sick and tired and and. It doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to wait until it gets so bad where we feel like life is unmanageable. And 
for, for those people who might be in that situation, like you were at one point, if, if they're in a situation where they see no light at the end of the tunnel, they don't see who they could become because they're so stuck in their current situation and their, their hangups and their pain and their suffering and their trauma. What do you tell that individual? Yeah, look, uh, this is the hard truth that I think people really s- don't want to hear. Your life's not going to change unless you make a decision for it to change. There's no Disney moment. Nobody's coming to rescue you. And I know that sucks. And I wish that weren't the case. I swear to you, I wish that someone would come and give you all the fucking tools and all the help and everything that you need in your life to be able to become that person that inherently you believe you can be. And when you're at that place at your lowest, I'm going to tell you right now, they're not coming. And that's really hard. I wish it wasn't the truth, but you know this, man. Think about this. When you've been at your lowest, nobody is there like, hey, let me fucking fly you to what's next. I'm going to rescue you. It doesn't work that way. And so because of that, when you're willing to acknowledge that, when you're willing to acknowledge that, the most incredible thing happens. And that thing that happens is you start to stand up for yourself. You start to believe in yourself. You start to move in a different direction. And one of the greatest things that you can do in that moment, if you are at rock bottom, if you are in this place where, where life feels so awful, some go and be of service to other people, go volunteer, go help someone, go and get out of your own head for a moment and be reminded that the world is this beautiful place. Because I promise you it is. It's not as bad as we think it is. Even though there are bad things that happen, we don't have to be tied into the identity that we have that says the world out there is so unfair and dangerous and unkind. It feels that way because you're trapped by yourself right now. And that's how you're talking to yourself. You're, You're looping that narrative. But when you go out in the world and you're of service and you help make other people's days brighter, I promise you, it'll make your day better. And people get stuck in it because they're like, but I'm at rock bottom. Who wants me to help them? Everybody, everybody needs you today. And you're being selfish by not going and being of service because you're in this low place. Because I'm telling you, people are always waiting. They're looking for the perfect moment. They're like, okay, when this moment comes, I know I'm going to be ready. But dude, you know this as well as I do. That moment never comes. I've never had that moment one time in my life where I was like, oh, everything's exactly how it's supposed to be. I should make this really difficult decision. And so when you tell yourself the opposite, like it's a lie, you're sitting here waiting for that moment where you're like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to pick myself up. Tomorrow I'm going to become the person I can be. Tomorrow, It's not coming. And I want you to think about something really important. Fear is a part of the human experience. And I know that you're scared. Like, I get it. I am too. Every I'm scared right now. Am I going to say the wrong thing? Am I not going to show up and blah, blah, blah? Like, we all have that. The only way you curb and silence fear is you face it. You walk up to it. You punch it in the mouth. And you go towards what you want. And here's the thing that happens. People get caught up in the idea that facing their fear is going to make their life worse. And that's because they don't know what's on the other side. What is the human brain for? It's very simple. The human brain is only for one purpose, survival. That's it. And when you are in comfort and you feel safe, you're surviving, right? 
even if you're in chaos, even if you're in chaos, this is what's so fascinating about it. Even if your life's a disaster and you're still alive, you're surviving. And so your brain doesn't want you to go into that difficult thing, that hard thing, that tough decision, that therapist's office, that coach's office, that gym, that yoga studio, whatever that is, because that's dangerous over there. That might be a snake. We don't know what's on the other side. But if you don't step into finding out what's on that other side, the worst thing ever is going to happen. You see, because eventually you're going to run out of tomorrows. You're going to run out of tomorrows. And when you do, you're going to be on your deathbed. And you're going to die with regret. And you're going to recognize in that moment that you have lived an unfulfilled life. And for me, that is, dude, I'm telling you right now, that is the number one thing that drives me is that moment. The only thing that, because I have this immense fear inside of me that when I die and we go to whatever is next, I'm going to be sitting in a room and suddenly a movie is going to come on. The film reel will start clicking and it'll be me watching me go through all these experiences of life, all these beautiful, amazing things that I never did while I was alive. And there's nothing more terrifying to me than that possibility. And so when you're in this position and you feel like you're at your lowest, it is the greatest time to face your fear. Because I'm telling you, if you don't, you're going to die with regret. Mm. That's just super powerful. We can mic drop right now and end the podcast if you want. <laughs> that that was, I think we have to keep that. The stoic phrase, memento mori. Or we could remember you are mortal. You're going to die. Remember you will die. And and when we keep that, not in a, in a depressing way, but as a, as fuel, that am I doing everything that, you know, God gave me purpose for or whatever, whatever you feel is your purpose. Am I living up to that? So one day I don't sit on my deathbed and have a regret that I never decided to take that action to step out my fear. And it just pulled me back into my comfort zone. And I just stayed there my whole life. Like that scares me too. And I, I love the way you described it, man. Everyone has fears. Like it's not I don't believe in, in being completely fearless. I think just it's just a relationship. It's understanding the fear. It's noticing it and still taking action despite what fear says or what your brain is telling you is the safest thing to do. Because taking that one step out of your comfort zone, you're not going to die. Most likely you're not going to die, but you expanded. You expanded who you are. You expanded your ability to respond and your resilience and that is, is an, a never-ending journey. And that's what this is all about. It's a never-ending journey to self-mastery. And that's what the conqueror approach is all about. And one of one of my last questions I, I want to kind of wrap this up with, you kind of answered it throughout this entire past, the this entire podcast, but in a in a more concise way, what does it mean to think unbroken? You know, so I love when people ask me that question, man. I um, <clears throat> I I ask people that question on my podcast, and so no one ever asked me, and so I'm really happy that you <laughs> did. It's really simple. It, it like truly is. It, it's it's about this concept. 
and you can't see it, but there's a giant sign in front of me right now. And it says mindset is everything. Mindset is everything, right? What does it mean to think unbroken? It's this. Understand this concept. I swear to you, it'll change your life forever. What you think becomes what you speak. What you speak become your actions and your actions become your reality. And the truth is that some of you right now are saying things to yourself that are so unkind that if you said them to me, I would punch you in the face or you would get arrested. And you're wondering why you're not successful. You're wondering why your world is crumbling. See, everything really does start up here in the way that you think, the way that you talk to yourself. And so if you can operate through the scope of kindness, if you can operate through the scope of kindness, if you take a pen and you write down what I'm about to tell you, and you convince yourself that this is true, you bury it into your brain, knowing your brain is plastic and is willing to adapt. If you bury this concept in this, your life will change forever. It's very simple. I am the kind of person who is kind to myself. I am the kind of person who is kind to myself. And why does that matter? Because when you operate in life through the scope of kindness, you will do things that a kind person would do for themselves. You will show up. You will make the hard decisions. You will do the things that you promise yourself that you will do. And on a long enough timeline, even though it'll be difficult at first and it will feel far-fetched, you'll keep thinking it. I'm the kind of person who's kind to myself. And then you'll start acting like it. And then it will become your reality. And that is how you think unbroken. I love it. I love men. This is a podcast that you need to listen to this multiple times because there's there's just so many keys to releasing the chains that have been holding people hostage for so many years and and decades even and, and lifetimes. You know, if if we don't get a grasp on that point now, it's never. Like it's never going to happen. Like you said, there we're going to run out of tomorrow's. And it was just said so beautifully. I, I, I can't wait to re-listen to this and take notes and do all those things because I'm just super grateful for the work you do, Michael, and, and the book that you have. Uh, please give us a little bit more where if people want to reach out to you, I know you're Michael Unbroken on all the social platforms. Do you have a preference? Where can people reach you and get more of your greatness? Yeah. You know, the, the best thing is just check out the Think Unbroken podcast. It's at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com and on Apple, iTunes and Spotify. And, you know, we're going to make a mixtape of it one day. It's everywhere, man. So just Think Unbroken podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Check it out. Subscribe to the Think Unbroken podcast, because if you if you got anything out of this podcast today, you're going to get an incredible amount out of that podcast. And I just want to thank you. The greatest gift I believe is to give your authentic self and your time. And Michael, you've done that here with me and our listeners today. And I just thank you. I appreciate you, brother. That is all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you found any value in this episode, someone you know will also please share, subscribe, leave a rating and review so we can reach more people, have a farther ripple and a larger impact. Stay grateful. I appreciate you. And remember, you are a conqueror.